Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tiptai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. The Celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. It's hot. It's July. It is a week or two away from like the absolute doldrums of the offseason. But Boston still has a few open roster spots and an unsigned or unextended Jalen Brown. So for a little bit longer, we have things to podcast about, and that's what we'll do today. Uh, before that, Alex, how was your show in Philly? And, and now that the tour is over, how was the tour? Uh, the show in Philly was great. It was a really fun way to cap off the tour. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you enjoyed the music there at the top, my band is the man that created that song. And we have just wrapped up our first tour uh, of, uh, well, the United States and Canada, really. Um, yeah, Philly was great. We had 200 something people there, um, both terrific opener bands in uh you know um the yeah no it, it's been it's been really fun uh the band name is of course divine sweater um it's been really fun you know cameron uh joined me at the sinclair for our big blowout show in boston um and it's just capped off what's been a wild month or so um yeah i'm feeling very tired and a little bit frazzled but we're back we're here the off season keeps going and uh yeah feeling good and alex is moving to brooklyn soon so Keep an eye out for a particularly handsome man walking the streets of Brooklyn. Dr. Quinn, you're going on vacation. What's good with your vacation? I am going to Oaxaca, uh, which is the time-tested manner to make whatever, you know, blockbuster trades or any other major yep. news just like flop in your face. So uh, I assume as soon as I'm on the plane, that'll happen. Which means I'm sitting ready to talk about Jalen Brown extensions and signings of some description of course all right let's let's get into it so that's what we're going to talk about today we'll talk about the Jalen thing although there's not particular news but we'll recap what we know talk about the end of summer league and in the lab portion of the programming which we like to say we'll talk about who boston may or may not be looking to sign they have a few back of the roster moves available and then a mega trade looms large because why not so let's uh let's do exactly that let's start with the jalen brown thing basically it's monday afternoon and it has been reported that the two sides are on pause talking about this extension while jalen does some nbpa stuff overseas it's kind of weird to me that no one seems to have reported what it is i saw it the nbpa was in milan but who knows jalen loves to travel in any event it doesn't appear as if this is uh any sort of major roadblock all reporting indicates that both sides want to get this deal done. And instead they're going to look at some of the finer details, which I spent most of my day <laughs> trying to understand today, um, which uh, are important. They're important. So that the headline will be super max contract. We're pretty sure. However, the bells and whistles may look a little different. Dr. Quinn, anything I missed uh, there in terms of, Facts no, I mean, we are also like many people trying to work our way through this new CBA and what is and what is not allowed, what has changed and what is the same regarding Supermax, uh, regarding incentives and Supermaxes. Uh, there's a little bit of confusion about exactly what's going on, and it may just be related to the fact that not really too many people are very sure of these things yet. So be on the lookout for more of that. I think uh, hopefully today when we are recording, uh, your article on that will be out. Cool. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Yossi Goslin of Hoopsite. Yossi Goslin of Hoopsite. Geez, I always say his name wrong. Um, he helped tremendously. Basically, they're choosing between options, player option, team option. Maybe there's a trade kicker if the value of the contract is actually less than the full Supermax, in which case other incentives come in. Um, and Jalen could say, hey, pay me most of it right now or pay me over the course of a certain number of years. So we think that the Jalen Brown will be in Boston for the next few years, but whether or not he has a player option or team option or something, this remains to be seen. Okay. Some other bits of news and then we'll, we'll keep it moving. The Celtics have interest in Austin rivers. That's kind of fun. Um, we have a whole list of guys that we think we want Boston to take a look at, but this has actually been reported, I think by way of the globe and Gary Washburn, Alex, does Austin rivers do anything for you? That's fine. I mean, I, I think that Austin Rivers uh, had a kind of a better than uh, expected season with the Minnesota Timberwolves somewhat recently. He's he's a pretty inconsistent player and kind of has been for his whole career. But there are things he does well. He's a perfectly fine scorer. Um, you know, he's got size that I think would be useful at his position. 
Um, the deal with Austin Rivers is that he is somewhat one-dimensional as an offensive player, and he is very bad as a defender and kind of always has been. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it would be the end of the world. I imagine that it would be difficult for him to get serious minutes on this team, but screw it for the minimum. It's fine with me. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. He will probably piss off Peyton Pritchard if he makes a team, even if he does play more of a two, which is not really like advantageous for his size. Uh, and there really isn't any like benefit to teaming him up with the other guards on, on the roster. So I think he's kind of like what you were saying, Alex, just kind of like a deep insurance policy who can also like step up if someone has to take a night off or something like that. It's interesting, but I think they could probably do better. Yeah, I would say unless he has some sort of relationship with like Sam Cassell or something and if the coaching staff wants an extension of their culture and their messaging out there on the court, maybe, but I also don't think Austin Rivers would see the court that much. So it's out there. It's our job just to talk about it. I like Austin Rivers. He seems like a nice enough guy. He's got cool cars. Uh, the banner 18 good podcast. Good podcast. Um, well, likewise. Um, I don't think banner 18 rests on the shoulders of Austin Rivers, but I don't know. I mean, stranger things have happened. Jay Scrub. Not that kind of scrub, but that's just his last name. Uh, he got a two-way deal. Dr. Quinn, what's good with Jay Scrub? Well, he has some potential. You know, he could be a rotation player eventually if he keeps developing. He's still pretty young. I think he's 22 or maybe just about to turn 23. He is not going to see the floor very much for the Celtics as a two-way player, except for maybe, uh, like, say, Jalen has to take a night off to rest a hamstring or something like that. And even then, he's probably going to see like maybe 10 or 8 minutes a game. It's a very, 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 very most. So cool signing, maybe some future cheap depth, but that's about it. Cool. Yeah, we're in that era where, you know, Boston's signing two-way guys, and it feels like the most important thing. But with respect to Jay's grabber, Austin Rivers, to uh, prove us wrong. Um, some other bits of news, and then again, we'll hop into what the rest of the offseason might look like. Gabe Vincent, formerly of the Miami Heat, recently said that the Celtics just weren't right this postseason. Um, Alex, is he wrong? Um, I think there's definitely something to the idea that the Celtics weren't 100% right. I, it, just in the sense that I think, you know, going into the playoffs with Joe Missoula for the first time, um, there were some kinks that needed to be worked out on the offensive end. Uh, we saw that in all of their series. Um, you know, for what it's worth, like, I'm still kind of of the opinion that the Celtics largely had a pretty good playoff run, even if it ended in a disappointing way. Like the team, for the most part, played well, rose to the occasion, nearly completed one of the great comebacks in NBA history and lost because of a mix of incredible shooting variants and Jason Tatum spraining his ankle at a very inopportune time. Um, you know, despite all of the kind of bumps in the road, the Celtics still, I think, for the most part, had a pretty good postseason I definitely get the sense that like, yeah, there probably were some weird chemistry things going on behind the scenes. You could kind of see it playing out on the court uh, in which like the team would kind of forget how to play basketball. And that leads to frustration in a high tense playoff atmosphere. But I don't know. I mean, I don't have enough evidence in the Celtics locker room uh, to really speak one way or another as to whether there was something profoundly wrong with the team. We know what we know, which is that they, had a playoff run where they fell short of their expectations. Uh, they traded Marcus Smart in the offseason, and I think they probably did that mostly because they wanted Kristaps Porzingis, but maybe they did so because uh, there were other reasons involved. Um, there's reportedly some tension between Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, and Joe Mizzoula, uh about their roles and about the way that they were playing. Uh, Marcus Smart and Grant Williams are both gone now think that's not insane to think that that's a coincidence not a coincidence but you know I think at the end of the day the fundamental building blocks of the team are Tatum and Brown and everybody around them and you know these guys want to win they, they care about that more than anything so um you know maybe there maybe there are but that that feels a little bit of a stretch to me yeah I I I don't know so much about narratives are, are so fickle to your point, Boston. I think they missed their first 12 threes in game seven yeah. to say nothing of Tatum's injury. I mean, they're a few threes away from getting the right footing and on and on. I do think it, it looking back and winning fixes everything. It does seem like a lot of teams who have gone the distance usually are the healthiest teams. Obviously the teams that hit their threes, but also the teams that have like incredible mojo 
that Bucks team had it going on. This Nuggets team had it going on. That Warriors team really pulled together in the end. So I don't think necessarily, I mean, Gabe Vincent had a better window into it than we did, but I don't know that the team was off, but I do, I don't think that they were, you know, rich with good vibes and exuberance. I mean, realistically, in a zero-sum game like the NBA, where perhaps now more than ever, people only care about who's winning the title at the end, everybody's off if you don't win the title. That's kind of how it is. Like, if you don't win the title, there was something wrong with your team, because otherwise you would have won the title. And I feel like a lot of the kind of big problems that are thrown about when discussing teams are mostly a result of, like, reflecting back on why a team didn't win as opposed to like, you know, some deep catastrophic problem in most cases, okay. not all. Yeah. To bring it full circle, I think uh, going back to the press conference uh, on media day at the beginning of the season, if you had told me that the Celtics would have made it to the very cusp of making it back to the NBA finals after everything that had gone on to start the season, I would have been pretty happy. And like, if you look into, say, like Grant Williams' recent comments since he has been signed and traded to the Mavericks, he he definitely hints at there was something going on in there that he was involved in. He talks about, uh, I think, like a two-week period of unprofessionalism that he regrets. And if that two-week period of unprofessionalism happened to be in the postseason, then that might be the very thing that was being referred to. Honestly, I doubt it. Grant was the only one with even like a little bit of fight in that game seven it looked like but whatever we can move off it i think we to... have to give more credit to Derek white sorry that's all i'm gonna say yeah okay. <laughs> Derek white. yeah that i mean that game six shot also helps change the narrative entirely the things could have looked really different for the celtics um i'm trying to think offhand who the happiest teams in the nba are right now denver obviously comes to mind but a lot of unhappy locker rooms in front offices it seems like i don't know okay uh a few other things of no really we're just going to put a bow on summer league and that is to say do we have any glaring or happy takeaways at uh, least of which that the team has been playing zone um in summer league which celtics fans probably like reflexively cringe when they hear the word zone based on that it's smart though i think it's actually a really good idea but it also tells us something important i think if you really look into the tea leaves here and that one they know that this team is not built to be the same kind of defensive team it was. You can't be the switchy team without Marcus and without Grant. Uh, and the kind of players that they have are very long and apt to use as a zone. So I think now they have a repertoire of like, they can still switch a little bit as a small ball team, like with like Rob Roaming. But for the most part, now they have to use this kind of defense or drop. Right. Yeah. And this this suggests that they are aware that they are very exploitable, even in drop, as we saw with Al Horford last season, uh, just getting torched out there by guards. So this gives them something else they can go to if that starts happening, which is, you know, kind of good. And least of which like we saw with the Heat. Yes, it was a problem for the Celtics, but the real problem was they would turn the zone off and Boston would get confused and slowly adapt. And then they would go back to man and Boston was confused. So to have multiple talents that are a little sharp, goes a long way so i think it i think it also hints that they don't plan on making any major moves immediately based on the personnel they have that they're signing that they brought in it could that, that could just be me guessing but to me instituting something as as fundamental of a shift in the way that they defend as the zone tells me that they are really thinking about this roster being the roster for the most part or at the very least the main celtics are all in on the zone yeah um the, I'm sure we'll burn a podcast episode on, hey, they could put Brogdon and Orford and some future picks together and look at them. They could get a really, really big name player. And maybe that is exactly what the plan is at the trade deadline or something. But uh, I think here at the Celtics Lab podcast, we think the dust is settling. And in fact, they're going to just sign a vet minimum guy, which is a good segue to the lab. So let's hop into the Celtics Lab. Everyone put on your safety goggles and your gloves. And let's talk about what the rest of uh, the offseason maneuvering might look like for Brad Stevens, Mike Zarin, and the rest of them. So, um, Dr. Quinn, can you explain to us what is still out there in terms of like business that can or needs to be done for this roster? Not a lot. So there could be some changes in terms of 
the wall that is the second apron. The Celtics are very close to it. They can probably afford to sign one veteran minimum guy, which is, you know, not coincidentally the only spot they have open. They could let go of Justin Champagny and uh, Luke Cornett, who are both on unguaranteed deals and free up about another four million bucks. Uh, even still, it seems unlikely they will even use the full mini MLE mid-level exception that they have. So almost certainly barring one, one of those big trades, which is increasingly unlikely at the moment, given very few teams have cap space to absorb any salary in the first place. The long, the long version you just heard, the short version is they are probably just signing a minimum guy. Yeah, they could trade away Pritchard and get rid of Champagne. And if you, if you want to get on the trade machine, you can probably get maybe five, $6 million uh, to play with, but likely it's a, a veteran contract. Um, and they'll sign some two-way guys, at least ahead of training camp, if not for the, the final roster, depending on how they like their main guys. So that's what we're looking at. We're going to read these those tea leaves. We've got our phones on. If that changes while we're recording, we'll, we'll hit reset. But that's what we're looking at. Boston is going to make a move on the margin, but sometimes uh, these guys can be impactful, at least in the locker room. As an aside, because I just am curious and selfish, did they use the biannual exception last year? I don't think so, but they're not really in a position to do so because then they have to shed a bunch of salary and they have nowhere to shed it to because they will hard cap them at the first apron. Good. Um, that's why I ask you these things. Okay, quickly, we did have Summer League not just for shoots and googs, but also to see if any of the guys who came over are, are worth adding either to Maine or to the the proper Boston Celtics. Dr. Quinn, you've been most dialed into this, so I'll give you the floor. Are there any of the summer league guys that you really want to shout out as dudes who should definitely get a spot in Maine uh, or beyond? Well, I do think they need a different look in terms of a big that they could, you know, conceivably uh, have play some minutes during the regular season because they're probably going to need to with three Injury-prone or aging big men. So I would really like to see Udoka Azabuki or Azabuki or however. I've heard his name said several ways, so if I'm murdering your name, I'm really sorry. I will get it right if you join the team because I will have to. Uh, besides that, Alexander Balsarowski would be interesting, but he is on a guaranteed deal overseas, which would need to be bought out, which means unless he's getting that last roster spot, which is not absurd, you could see a little bit of uh, Daniel Tyson him. I don't think that's very realistic. So just because of his current situation, I think that we'd have to let go of him. Justin Bean has been pretty interesting. I think he's a main guy. Reggie Kasun Lal, uh, whose name I'm probably also murdering. He has been a main guy. He probably will be a main guy. I could see him getting that last two-way spot. He is a very mobile big man who has some guard skills and is very intriguing, but he also makes a lot of silly mistakes. And then besides that, Vincent Valerio Bodon, um, he's probably not going to make the leap because he's overseas to the G League. Uh, I'm not sure what his contract situation is moving forward, but he was kind of interesting. I think of all the people that we saw up there that Azabuki has the best chance of being an impact player for the Celtics as well as having a future. He's about 240 pounds, and I think he's like six, uh, six foot 11. So he brings a kind of big that the Celtics don't really have. And I think he probably is the most deserving, even though he wasn't the most impressive of a roster spot, given what Boston would need from that spot. Yeah. It's worth noting. Cabin Gallet played with Atlanta uh, over the summer. Um, he could easily still come back because he has ties to the organization. But if Boston wanted to like, you know, reshuffle the decks, having this athletic big man in development, Udoka would be a, a good name to look at. All right, so yeah, uh, Jordan Walsh stole our hearts, and a few other guys showed out, but it's summer league. Let's not get let's not go nuts. So we're gonna play a game. The premise is Boston has a few million dollars to play with and an open roster spot, and we have a few names uh, that are here on our list that may or may not be affordable, may or may not be available, but more importantly, may or may not be a good fit for the Celtics. So we'll go in order, and we'll take turns throwing out a name and then we'll decide should Boston get after it. We got go hard written down, make the call, consider it or hang up, which doesn't really, no offense, Justin. I don't think that makes any sense. <laughs> I guess if they came calling to you or, or just delete their number or something. Well, um, some of these guys are getting their agents are calling the Celtics saying, Hey, are you interested? So, I mean, it works. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm just teasing you. 
Okay, so uh, in I said no particular order. It's alphabetical. Man, teachers' brains don't work in the summer. Okay, as they uh, shouldn't. We're not being paid. Uh, I get paid through the summer. Um, well, it's a lump sum, so I haven't. I don't know. I don't even know what the day is. Anyway, <laughs> Justin, you, I'll give you the first. Uh, you go first, just to like model how the game is played, and then Alex, you can go next. Okay, so I'm going to do this wrong. So that way, one of you guys can contest my assessment, which is go hard for Will Barton. Oh, okay. I see what you... Okay. Um, oh, but I... Uh, no, don't do that. Wrong. Why? Tell me. <laughs> Wrong. Tell me why. So you have to tell us why Will Barton is a bad person to go hard on. If one of us is wrong, we contest it. If we're right, we move on. Okay. Um, I'm using... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you got it, Ken. I just feel like he's the kind of player is better with volume but i don't think i know him to be a guy who you know doesn't play every third game and still shows up and hits shots not that he's a curmudgeon or anything i just think that he's a rhythm guy so if he you know if boston was a little more in transition and they had more shots for him i'd be interested in that i suppose but as a guy who conceivably you know hopefully wouldn't have much of a role i don't think it works so what's his designation Um, uh, hang up. I, there's other names on this list that we have, we, have to, we have to call back. Okay, so that's that how the good. game is played. Alex, you have the next name on the list. I have the next name on the list. All right. Well, um, and so sorry, just to be clear, I can pick anybody on this list, or I'm just reading. It doesn't really list. matter as long as we get through the whole thing. All right. Uh, well, then I'm going to pick the name that I wanted to pick, um, which is Wes Matthews. Um, I'm going to make the case that Wes Matthews is uh, a guy that Boston should make a call on. And I think, I think his shooting is available. Uh, you know, he's, he's always been a pretty good catch and shoot guy. He has a lot of veteran experience. He's not as bad a defender as I think people think he is. Um, at least the last time he was seeing the court, um, he hasn't played a lot, uh, recently he's been kind of bumped out of the Bucks rotation and is, of course, an unrestricted free agent that has not been picked up. He's definitely old. But I still think his presence on the roster actually might be kind of useful as a depth swing man uh, with some vet experience, particularly for the playoffs. So is, that, make is that a go hard or make a call? That's a make a call. I don't feel like I don't feel like the Celtics would be in a disastrous place if they missed out on Wes Matthews, but I feel like he could be a nice addition to the team. That's fair. Okay, I guess I'm up. How come is is there a reason Harry Giles isn't on this list? Uh, no, I just didn't think that it was very likely they'd give him a regular roster spot. Yeah, uh, I could be wrong. Well, let me. I think people are interested enough, Lisa. Which sure, Jason Tatum, put I'm, him on. I'm He's gonna, on. He's now on. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say, hang up. But here's the deal. Why did you do that to me for because, that? Because, because. Okay, all right. Look, the Jalen Brown extension matters bigly, but Tatum's up next. And Smart and Grant were guys that he liked and came out publicly and said, I hope to play with them again sometime soon. If there's even a little bit of smoke to uh, a Tatum fire out there, it's not an important enough roster position that like, yeah, he wants to play with his friend. He makes it so clear every year. That could be meaningful. So if behind the scenes, Brad Stevens and company already think like, we got to butter Jason Tatum's buns a little bit here, I would make the call. However, from an X's and O's perspective, Harry Giles, respectfully, no thank you. Um, so I think it's I think it's intellectually honest to have brought it up because of social media. Yeah. And whatnot. But unless Tatum uh, is quietly preparing a hissy fit as well he might i don't uh, i don't think he's going to and this is my case why because he went out of his way to make a call to make sure that the players union and the board changed the rules so he would be eligible for a two-way spot which is where i think he would end up harry giles yeah well portland's lovely in january okay <laughs> justin you're up I'm going to go with Bismack Biyombo. Uh, I am going to say go hard in this case because even though he has been in the league for a while, he's really only 30 years old. He blocks 
like 1.5 blocks per game in very limited minutes. And he could be, I mean, he's probably going to end up a Phoenix Sun from the chatter that we've been hearing. But if he doesn't, then they should be making a call in several to get someone like him on the roster. I'm going to push back on that a little bit and go for a consider. Um, just because, not even because I dislike Bismack Biombo as a player, but just because I feel like the allocation of resources to me, I'm not sure center is the position to go there. I just feel like with Porzingis, Rob Williams, and Al Horford, that's a ton of center minutes that have already been soaked up, um, particularly as well if they re-sign Luke Cornett. That's five bigs on the roster. I just don't get the sense that Biombo would play all that much. So I'm going to go with... Health. No, I, I, I understand you. I, I just feel like at a certain point, you're, you're like... It's it's hard to ask guys to sign up for a team with not much money uh, and to voluntarily be like, you're the fourth big unless somebody gets hurt. And maybe somebody will get hurt, but you're the fourth big. I just don't feel like Biombo would be happy with that situation. So I'm going to go with a consider just because I feel like, again, I do like the player, but I'm not sure that's a go hard for me. Split the difference from make a call? That's sure. what I was going to say. So, um, and, and also we're playing the game with the assumption that both Champagne and Luke Cornette either have their contracts guaranteed or partially guaranteed. So there's a world, Alex, where in order to get beyond both through the door, you get rid of Cornette and then you still have to, you know, go sign Will Barton or something. So um, I want Boston to carry a very much so serviceable back backup big man because Porzingis, Rob Williams, and Horford can't all be relied on to be there every night. No offense to them. So whether it's Biombo or the all-in on Cornette, I really hope that they don't shave down the center rotation. Um, but yeah, Biombo, uh, I guess the the hesitation for me is no one throws lobs in Boston the way that Chris Ball throws lobs. And so the way he worked for the Suns as like a reclamation project was, looks a little different, but seems like a high-character guy. That matters. Okay, uh, Alex, I think it's your turn. It is my turn. And you know... Um... I have been trying to just really catch up to speed on some of these potential summer league guys uh, in just like the past few minutes or so. Um, And so based purely on the, again, very quick hitter research that I've done in summer league, I am prepared to say that Boston has a go hard candidate that is not on this list. Um, And it's Jared Butler, um, a guy who is currently playing for the Spurs summer league team. Um, and he scored 31 points the other day in a loss to the Wizards. He is an unrestricted free agent. Sorry, my apologies. He's, he's playing for the Thunder team. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's pretty young. Um, and I feel like that, that, that the stat lines that he's been putting up just in looking at them over Summer League have been enough to catch my attention. And, you know, I feel like why not get a, why not instead of like rolling the dice with you know another washed veteran uh, who will play I like five that thinking. In, why not I why like... not roll with a young upside guy? So I'm gonna say go hard for Jared Butler. Why not? Uh, I'm gonna push back on that, even though I support your your general philosophy here, only because Danny cut him from the Utah Jazz, and that's a team that is going to need younger players on on the come up in, in terms of development. So if Danny cut him, I am going to push back just a little bit to consider. I would only counter on that saying that I'm not sure that Danny Ainge has been the best evaluator of young players. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Make the call. Split the difference. Uh, I'm going to, I guess, steal that line of thinking a little bit. I think Mac McClung it would be okay i'm going hard for a couple of reasons first of all it would be hilarious the peyton pritchard comparisons write themselves they're two little white guys playing in the end of boston's bench um second i mean he was such a hero in that dunk contest and then i philly like i'm sure couldn't find a role for him in rotation but just like as a, a vibes resetter as a distraction as a good marketing tool i feel like they could have done more with that so again i don't have that many hangups that the 14th or 15th guy on Boston's bench is going to change their fortunes that much. Matt McClung is a hero for so many reasons. It'd be fun, be funny. Also, you could dunk the hell out of the ball. He might go back to the dunk contest to be fun at a Celtic in the dunk contest again. So um, 
All things considered, I'm going hard for Matt McClung. I'm going to push back a little Boo. bit on, on the Mac McClung front, um, just because Mac McClung has been kicking around as a guy who could make the jump to the NBA for a couple of years now, and he hasn't. Um, the sense I get from Mac McClung is that he is a very impressive dunker and that he doesn't really do much more than that. Um, and there's something to be said for having an impressive dunker for garbage time, sure. But I kind of want the Celtics to go after a guy who could actually see the floor on a meaningful sense. We need a whole new list of guys. <laughs> I think some of these guys might actually fit that bill. I'm going to nominate. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to nominate Amadou Diallo in that role. Cripping from the, the young guy logic, right? He's got some development ahead of him, potentially. Uh, he can't hit the broadside of a barn, but he won't really be needed to because he's only going to be coming in and defending in spurts, maybe providing a little bit of slashing, which, you know, the Celtics could really use, seeing as they don't really have any slashers that I, I can think about other than maybe Jordan Walsh, who has played precisely this many, zero for the non-YouTube crowd, uh, NBA minutes so far. So I am going to go go hard for Amadou Diallo. And he can dunk the hell out of the ball. Yes, he can. Cool. I, I like, like it. Diallo. I'm fine with him. Yeah, he's good. You're up. All right, Alex, you're up. All right. Well, in the vein of looking for kind of guard forward types who uh, can play a little swing, uh, who are not particularly old and who might actually be able to see the floor in an NBA game, uh, I'm going to say that the Celtics should at the very least make a call and maybe go hard for Svee Michalik. Um, So Michalik has bounced around a little bit uh, in the Detroit Pistons, in the Charlotte Hornets. Um, he's never really found a spot that he's stuck at, but he's a perfectly fine corner three-point shooter uh, who can soak up some minutes as a backup three or two. Um, I don't think he's any great shakes, but I think he has enough actual NBA experience that he could foreseeably get something like a ninth or 10th man role in the right circumstances. And I think he, if he came to Boston, he would suddenly find his life getting much easier because there would actually be players who would force uh, defenses to sag off of him on his team. So, Steve McCaleb, fuck it. I'm going to say go hard. I'm on the cusp. I won't push back, though. Screw it. Mm. Uh, I don't know who that person is, so sure, you can have them. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say RJ Hampton uh, next, and I'm going to say consider it. And I'm going to acknowledge that I thought I was talking about RJ Hunter. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, there's no way that I am not missing something here, but that's hilarious. Um, turns out RJ Hampton is a former first round pick from 2020. He at times is an okay three point shooter, and that's about it. Um, seems like he's worth a flyer. Young players are not set in stone. This is who they are. Um, yeah. So again, you could go get a reasonably established vet and you sort of know what you're going to get, or you can kind of roll the dice on a young guy who it'd probably have to be someone who ends up being two way, or at least uh, finds ways to develop off the court. But um, if we're going to take a flyer, I mean, the Matt McClung thing is more just for that, like one or two highlights, this kid, RJ Hampton, maybe could actually be more consistent if he, if he finds his footing. So I'd say consider RJ Hampton, nothing more. I like it, um, particularly because Hampton has kind of had a weird career where he hasn't really had a chance to actually stick on a team for all that long and really develop. Um, he's been yeah. traded uh, a couple of times, I think, and it's less because of his play and more just because he's a young player with some upside uh, who happened to be on teams that wanted vets and they just found him expendable. So sure. Why not go for it? RJ Hampton. Cool. Okay. We have a few more names on our list. Again, we're establishing who should Boston sign with this open roster spot, probably at the vet minimum or nearly there. And there's some other moving and shaking. Maybe they would do, they in theory could end up with two of these guys or none of these guys, but anyways, Justin, keep the train going. You're up. I'm going to go with make a call for Javante Green for the same reasons you brought up Harry Giles, as well as the fact that I he does Javante a lot of Green's things. Signed. I thought he signed. Did he sign? I might have I... old news, but as far as I know, he, last I heard, he would welcome a new deal with the Celtics based on some Sean DeBenny reporting of heavy fame. As, um, of, as of like one week ago, Javante Green has not signed, so... 
Huh. I don't know why I thought he did. Sorry. Sorry to give you fake news. Um, okay. Uh, I think that that's... <laughs> what? Look at this picture. The first picture when you Google Chavante Green. Why would that be the first picture? It's just him lying. He's planking on the ground for the non-YouTube crowd. Um, okay. Yeah. Ju- sorry, Justin. I agree with that entirely. Um, good for the vibes. Good for the datum. And good for defense, probably. Okay, Alex, you're up. Hmm, I'm looking at the rest of his list and I'm not having a great time, I'll be honest. Um, all right, screw it. Uh, if the Boston Celtics are looking for additional long athletic wing guys uh, who maybe are worth a random gamble, even if there's been no evidence to prove that they're actually an NBA player, the Boston Celtics should at least consider Kevin Knox. You know, he's... He's not great. He's had a pretty kind of rough ride as an NBA player, bouncing around various teams, not really playing meaningful minutes for anybody. Um, But he's still big. He's still long. He's still fairly young. Who knows? He might have some untapped athletic upside and maybe you chuck him in the right role and he can emerge as a kind of utility defender. So consider Kevin Knox. Why not? I'm I'm pushing back. Why not? Because you give all of Kevin Knox's minutes to Jordan Walsh. Mm. They're They're the same player. Um, yeah, they are very similar. And Jordan Walsh's arms might even be longer. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm rooting for Kevin Knox, but Jordan Walsh needs those minutes if there's minutes to go around. All right, am I up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up. Okay. Yeah, this is not the list, but the list that we came up with. The point of the exercise is whoever Boston gets is uh, perhaps not going to inspire. Um There's a name on our notes that will come up later that maybe some of you are screaming at us about that I'm tempted to say because I think thinking about it, that is my pick, but I'm not going to say it in the spirit of the game. I'm just going to close the loop and say Terrence Ross. I don't know how many times we've had to talk about a Terrence Ross (laughs) rumor, Terrence Ross to the Celtics. We saw with the Suns, he can't stay on the court. Uh, Consider it. Don't hang up, but don't. you don't have to get aggressive there, but just... Cosmically, I'll say Terrence Ross. I'm tired of the Terrence Ross discourse, <laughs> so I'm going to push coming. back. Ocean, okay. State, Ocean State job lot Jalen Brown can go to a different team, I think. <laughs> hey, I love the Ocean State job lot, so you're maybe they should make a call for, for Terrence Ross. Huh? All right, Dr. Quinn, you're up. Celtics should consider Willie Hernan Gomez if they want to find a big man who can play some good regular season minutes, probably never any, you know, serious postseason minutes, but just like say the legs of the three guys we mentioned earlier who will be eating up most of the playoff postseason minutes and a large amount of the regular season minutes, but maybe wouldn't be as upset as Biombo, but not regular playing time considering the fact that I think he's probably con- lacking any specific skills like Biombo has with shot blocking. I think he's a lot closer to being out of the league than Biombo is. Yeah, I, I think that's true. But he has an acting career. Um, yep. Is Porzingis the only player playing in FIBA for the Celtics? I don't think it's just Porzingis playing in FIBA. I know there's other players. No, playing. Shea Brissett is playing for Team Canada as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I like that kid. That's that's my new favorite player, everyone. I want you to know that. Um, alrighty, Alex, a few more names on our list. Should there the is, Celtics sign these people? Yeah. There is one more name that I would actually go hard for, um, and that's Terrence Davis, backup guard for the Sacramento Kings. Um, so Terrence Davis, not particularly notable as an NBA player, but quietly chipped his way into a Kings rotation that has some real guard depth um, and played for them in the playoffs. And I watched that Warriors King series. Terrence Davis was pretty good in that series in a pretty high pressure atmosphere um, against some really challenging competition in the Golden State Warriors. Like he wasn't, you know, dominating but he you know he's a role player and he played his role well um he's still young he's still got some upside i think the king's guard room is pretty crowded and that's a big part of why he's available in the first place but i think terrence davis could get on this team and i think he could actually maybe steal some minutes from uh a couple of guys who would be playing for them otherwise so i'm going hard for terrence davis i like that that's a profile of a player that if they don't get a a big man I'd, i'd like them to look there so I can dig it. Likewise. Okay, speaking of which, um, I'm going to say that they should 
consider maybe even start by making the call for this player. And I'm going to give two contradictory reasons. They should maybe make a call for Willie Gollystein for the following reasons. One, I think if Robert Williams went down, you could put Willie Gollystein in the same role as like Rover four. And it would, if you squint, look the same. The second reason is because Willie Cauley-Stein could talk to Robert Williams and be like, hey, I've never taken conditioning seriously in my career ever. And now look at me. You should take conditioning more seriously, which again are contradictory thoughts. But uh, I do think Rob Williams is going to go out at some point for a little bit and rangy and fast and lengthy explosive big man like Willie Cauley-Stein helps just kind of like plug and place the exact same thing. I do also think that like maybe he could mentor Robert Williams to say like, hey, I was on my way to being a big cheese and it never materialized. What are you going to do differently? So somewhere between consider and make a call, but there's other names on this list. I like more. Not too crazy I, yeah. about him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it for the reasons that you laid out. I, I don't really love it either. And again, you know, I think the thing about Willie Colleystein is I just don't think he would play all that much as, as is the case with generally the bigs. I, I really do think like, in, in the event that Robert Williams, Al Horford, or Kristaps Porzingis were to miss any sort of extended time, the likely outcome for Boston is much more uh, like, we're just going to go small and play with one big than it is. We will like force an inadequate fourth big man into the lineup. All right. Yeah. Um, you guys take the last two on the board and then I'll take that mystery one. Um, Justin, you're up. Okay, so... There is an option out there who would be the perfect Grant Williams replacement who can pass the ball, you can score, you can defend, but he can't stay on the damn court. That would be Justice Winslow, who I think would be worth a call, but uh, they wouldn't need more than 30 games out of him, which is about what he's been putting out of the season since he's come into the league. So I wouldn't be too excited about the prospect. You're not trying to trade four future first round picks mm. for Justice Winslow. Hmm. Yeah, whatever. I'd, I'd like a whole 30 for 30 on that, possibly. <laughs> that just, just continues to defy belief. Michael okay. Jordan saved the Celtics franchise. Seriously. Anyway. <laughs> okay, Alex, you are up. Yep, I am. Uh, let's see. Jeez. All right. Well, uh, there's one other name on the list that we highlighted. Um, it's Rodney Magruder. And you know what? I'm I'm going to say the Boston Celtics should consider Rodney Magruder because Rodney Magruder is a guy who has played in the NBA. Um, good shooter. I, I have almost no thoughts on Rodney Magruder. Yeah, he's he's a fine shooter. Um, he's never found a consistent place to be. Um, you know, I, I've never like thought of. I, I I'll I'll be honest, guys. I don't think I have thought about Rodney Magruder in basically since he was drafted. Um, that's that's my feelings on Rodney Magruder. If the Boston Celtics sign Rodney Magruder, I will feel completely neutral about it because I just don't know anything about him. <laughs> cool. Um, the last name we have on our list is Jamichael Green. And I'm going to say that the Boston Celtics should make a call to Blake Griffin because, look, the vibes are are broken, I imagine. Though the premise to me that like Jason and Jalen are going to be are going to be the voices of the locker room feels fundamentally preposterous. They have a 35 now year old coach who has a quiet and sometimes confusing voice. Jalen Brown is uh, intense and a visionary, but of a sort. And Jason Tatum is quiet and likes to play golf. And also both of those guys are 25 and 26. Um, so the locker room, yeah, they same as hell. They have Al Horford. They have voices in the locker room, but it seems like Blake was such an obvious rallying point. He connected the bench with the starters. He had the ear of the stars. He had the ear of the coaching. Um, If we have established that, you know, the deep bench isn't going to play that much. And Lord knows Blake should not be playing that much for any sort of contender. Um, I just think for a little bit more continuity and for, hey, it's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. Um, With respect to Jermichael Green, who technically it was my turn and I was supposed to talk about him. I would make a call to Blake Griffin and just run it back. Sure. I have no I, honestly, I hope Blake Griffin is being offered a little more money elsewhere. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe. Okay. 
We have a bonus round. There are a few uh, contracts that Boston could cut that aren't guaranteed that not only would save them some money, but open up roster spots in case they do want to sign Wes Matthews and Harry Giles. So uh, Delano Banton, Justin Quinn, cut him or keep him? I think keep him. He's interesting enough. I think he showed enough when he did play in summer league that, you know, don't expect too much of him other than a guy who can nominally be the point guard, do some point guardy kind of things, but mostly is just long and disruptive on defense. I think that's the main, the main role for him this coming season. All righty. Alex, uh, because I'm too biased to answer this one. Uh, cut or keep Justin Champagne. I'd say, I would say keep, why not? Um, I think Justin Champagne is, you know, reasonably like his, he has NBA size. Um, he can score, you know, he can do a little rebounding, a little bit of a, he's, he's a somewhat versatile player. Again, I don't think that he's like in line for a particularly huge role, but what I like about Champagne is that he can do a couple of different things. He's not just like one guy, you know, he's not just a scorer. He's not just a defender. He's, you know, he's, he's trying to do a bunch of different things. And I feel like he could have some lineup versatility that uh, I actually like. So I would say keep, why not? And I have Luke Cornette. Um, I'd like to see a world where Porzingis and Horford are the starting and backup power forward and Rob Williams and blank are the starting and backup center. And you could do worse than Luke Cornette, but you could also maybe do better. Um, this exercise kind of pointed out that how they do better uh, is probably not by way of free agency, but if, you know, cutting Luke Cornette and trading Pritchard, you can trade for a guy who makes five or $6 million or something. I would kick the tires on that. And that's, I'm saying that as Luke Cornette might be my favorite Celtic other than Marcus Smart of the past like decade. So from, a, from a like personal perspective, please keep Luke Cornette. He's great from a, I'd like to see the Boston Celtics win all the basketball games perspective. Yeah, the million or so dollars that you would get by cutting him might be more valuable with great respect. 2.4. 2.4. Oh, got him. Get out of here. Luke Cornette. Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> Yeah, Cornette, and then get rid. I don't know. I didn't, if they keep him, other teams have worse backup centers and and functionally fourth backup big men. However, two injuries away from him playing like thirty minutes a game in the postseason, you know. Anyway, oh, that's, no. that's 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 <laughs> I didn't I didn't invent that. Okay. No, you're not. I, yeah, I I I I just want to make one more point on this front, which is that I really do think like if. If, if the situation is the Celtics lose one of their three big men for an extended period of time, Jason Tatum, congratulations, you're sliding over to the power forward position. Like, that's the solution to this. No, O'Shea Brissett is, baby. He's It's Brissett time. Either one. I, I just, I, I would be really surprised if they're like, yes, Bismack Biombo, you have 25 minutes a game now. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, I'll be so curious. I mean, Joe Mazzullo clearly wants to play five wide and... Steven seems to like want to support that, but then also went and got the second or third tallest NBA player in the league. So it's unclear how big or how small they want to play. I'm very curious, like how many post touches Porzingis ends up getting, or if it's like he catches it and immediately goes back out to the three point line. Okay. A few more questions and then we'll bid you an adieu until next week or something breaks. Christian Wood and Kelly Oubre were not on our list as were a few people because we think that they will make more money. Boston could, in theory, use the taxpayer mid-level exception, but they probably won't. And maybe these guys will earn more than that. Although, Justin, as you alluded to, there's not that much cap space out there. Uh, Alex, pick one of them to talk about, do they deserve more than a mid-level exception at this point? A, a mini one, anyways. Yeah, I mean, so I think I, I made my opinions on Christian Wood pretty clear on the last podcast. So I'm going to go with Kelly Oubre this one. Um, I think there is something to be said for the idea that Kelly Oubre um, can carve out a role on an NBA team. Um, he's a little bit of a hothead still. Um, and his his the big issue with Kelly Oubre is that his shooting is just so volatile. Like it comes and goes and it's so volatile that it's really hard for him to nail down a consistent role. But he is he has legitimately high level NBA athleticism. Um, that dude can get out and run. Uh, he can really hurt teams in transition. And in the right system, I think he can actually be an okay defender. Um, I think the Celtics could potentially utilize him as a kind of long swing piece to just like get in guys' faces for 
five minutes here or there. So I, I would be okay with them going after Kelly Oubre. I think that he could get more than the minimum. I think he could get uh, probably, I don't think he will get the full MLE just because his shooting is a little bit too on again, off again. But I think you could you could see him getting like a mini MLE or a taxpayer MLE or something like that. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. So I would say, yeah, go for it. Can I hop in on that before we talk sure. about um, I would love that. I think that probably he can earn more and I don't know that Boston should like possibly burst through the second apron just to get Kelly Oubre, but I don't think he's ever played for a good team. I know he played for the Warriors that one season, but that was when they were bad. I'm curious with like the right infrastructure and not needing to be the man, what he's capable of. I also think that he could be a weirdo with Jalen Brown and they could like do fashion and be alternative together. Um, and he has one of the best nicknames in the NBA, Tsunami Poppy, which is just not something I'm willing to overlook. So, oh, also he has a nose ring and I have to represent that community. So anyways, I don't think the Celtics can afford it. Um, it wouldn't be a crazy fall from grace for him to take a flyer for a year on himself, but um, probably too expensive for Boston. Justin Quinn, what say you about Christian Wood? Christian Wood is almost certainly going to be a Los Angeles Laker based on what we were hearing from Hoops Hypes Michael Scotto, uh, who recently put out a report saying that they are considering even sending out uh, Jared Vanderbilt to the Mavericks in a sign and trade. It sounds like they probably want some additional compensation for something like that. Uh, I would keep Jared Vanderbilt yeah. easily, <laughs> but if they that's what they want to do, he's getting more okay. than a minimum. <sighs> Yeah, that's the Lakers had such a nice little offseason. Why would they muddy the water even a little bit? I mean, I, I feel like Christian would if like he just signed with the like, you know, vet minimum for the Lakers, they'd probably be able to resuscitate his career. There's nothing better for being a fringe rotation player in the NBA and getting back to actually like getting real minutes than LeBron James giving you the best possible shot every single time. Um, but if you're sending out Jared Vanderbilt, a guy who is an actual NBA player that could be like a useful utility guy for just about any team in the league, that's not a good deal. <laughs> I don't really want to end on what the Lakers are up to, but I also want to pause and we can talk about J.D. Davis and Scrub and Walsh another time. So um, I'll just say this. The Celtics Up podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. We keep saying next episode we'll talk about Jalen Brown's extension, but who the hell knows? Um, so who knows? Maybe we'll talk about J.D. Davison and Jay Scrub then. Otherwise, Dr. Flynn, enjoy your vacation. Alex, you enjoy your, your fleeting moments here in Boston. And everyone else, stay cool because uh, it's pretty hot out there and also cold this summer for the rest of your life. Woo. Adios.